Thank you for downloading the One Church Gloucester podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Excellent. Well, um, this is part three of our latest teaching series, As It Is In Heaven. Um, last week, Amy did a phenomenal job talking about justice. Um, and that was a, that's a hard-hitting subject. And she did a great job of bringing loads of challenge about that. She's got like quite a, a sweet voice, but she's saying really challenging, hard-hitting things. Um, so I was a bit confused at times. So like, why do I feel so convicted, but calm and happy um, all at the same time? Um, so catch the podcast. Excellent. Today's su- subject then um, is the hard-hitting subject of money. Um, this subject, it holds a special place in my heart. For those that don't know, um, like before getting this job here, um, my previous career, it was in the financial industry. I worked in retail banking. Um, so I saw so many things and um, I learned so many things, got so many experiences from my time there. Um, and really, I was given a, a front row seat um, to, to the spectacle of finance. And, and I could see firsthand like, the effects that money have on each and every one of us. Um, and I saw it, I saw the results of when um, families, individuals, relationships, when people stewarded finance well. And I, I saw the, the, the positive results that like, financial freedom and financial wholeness can, can bring to someone's life. I also saw the devastating effects of um, the weight of debt. I also saw um, what uh, toxic effects greed can have. Um, and how it can tear relationships apart, it can tear families apart. Um, I saw firsthand um, gambling addictions and and what that meant for people's finances and how some people just got caged in by their own expenditure. Um, So so I've I've seen all of that and and I'm hoping to kind of really bring some elements of that into today's message and to to touch on a few different things. Um, What I'm not going to do is this though, I'm not going to try and talk about um, everything to do with money and everything to do with finance and, and really even everything that scripture says about it because there's, there's a lot in the Bible about money and there's a lot that Jesus has to say about it as well. Like, I'm not going to attempt to try and bring some financial advice to you or to tell you how you should budget um, and a- actually at the moment as a church we are crafting a series that we'll, we're going to run after um, Easter which is going to be all about money. And, and all about finance and, and we're kind of really kind of wanting to spend some time because we think this is important and, and whether we like it or not, whether it's important to you or not, money affects all of us. Yeah. It, it, it does, it's, it's, it has a massive impact on all of our lives so it's important we know like what scripture says about it and how we can steward and handle it well. What I am going to try and do today is in the light of this series, in the context of the Lord's Prayer, this part that says your kingdom come, your will be done, I, wanna, I want us to ask the question of ourselves, can we say that? as far as our finances are concerned. God, my finances, my money, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I want us to look at what that means and a little bit of what that can look like in our lives. Is that okay? Are you feeling responsive? You're gonna talk back to me, you're gonna nod at me? Excellent, let's just pray together then we'll we'll, we'll dive straight in. Father God, thank you um, that we can just gather together today. Thank you, Lord, that we can just like worship you, spend time in your presence and we pray, Lord, as we just come around your word, Um, you would speak to us, that each and every one of us would leave this place just a little bit more like Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, um, just to really, there's two objections that you may have right from the word go um, about us talking about money today. 
There's, there's two objections that you might, might carry, and I'm going to pop them up on screen here, about the idea of talking about money in, in church and, and in this setting here. Um, number one, you may say, it's private. It, it's not something that we should discuss in this setting here. There's a bit of, um, there's a, bit of a taboo when it comes to our money, to our income and to our expenditure. It's, it's a bit of a private affair. So, so say, for example, I'm now going to put up a slide which has all of your um, income, you know, your salaries. Like it, I think all of us would get a little bit uncomfortable at the notion of seeing your name and then you earning this much. And even like our closest friends, like, how much do you earn isn't really a question that's okay to ask. It's not like around the dinner table you can just say, so what's your expenditure this month? Like, where's it, where's it going? How much are you earning? How much are you being paid? It's, it, for whatever reason, it's a bit of a private matter, isn't it? And an objection you might have to us talking about it today might be, you leave, you leave money alone, leave me to discuss that with my independent financial advisor, okay? And, and talk, about, talk about things, coming on to objection number two, that are more spiritual. Talk about God stuff in church. You, you, know, you, you do what, you know, do the healing, evangelism, Talk about God stuff, because money isn't spiritual. That might be an objection that you have. Now, unfortunately, if, if either of those are, of an, uh, are an objection that you can think of, and if they come up in your thinking throughout the rest of this message, fortunately, like, Jesus doesn't seem to, to share your opinion. Ooh. Because if you take everything that Jesus ever spoke on, like the, what, what, he, what we have recorded in Scripture... Um, and put it into like a bit of a survey, like the top subject that he speaks on is the kingdom of God. Money comes fourth out of everything he spoke on. Money is the fourth highest topic. So it doesn't seem like Jesus thinks that it's, it's not a spiritual matter, neither does it seem that he thinks it's a private matter for everyone to deal with you know, themselves. He talks about it. He addresses it. And if it's important to Jesus, maybe it's important to us as well in this setting. Um, for, for the rest of the message, I want you to, with me, visualise on the stage a bit of a scale, okay? A bit of a spectrum. On this side, and there's a slide that's going to come up as well, on this side we're going to call it a little, and this side we're going to refer to as a lot, okay? So a little and a lot. And I want you to think about your relationship with your finances and with money and, and how you deal with it. And I wonder if, I think each and every one of us will be able to put ourselves somewhere on this scale, saying maybe perhaps we, we're actually, we, we have money. Maybe we, we have wealth. Maybe you have a financial portfolio. Or, over here, you have a little. Not very much. Maybe your relationship with money is a positive one, with finances is positive. Maybe it's overwhelmingly negative. Um, and, and just, just to like, tell a story, I'm going I'm to tell a story from the bank to help us uh, see and visualise this setting. Um, one particular day, it was a hot day. When it's hot in the bank, no one really wants to be there. No one wants to be inside in a bank on a hot day. So everyone is immediately, automatically annoyed just by being there. And I, I have the pleasant job of greeting people as they came in in this state. It was a busy day, so the queue like, was out of the door. It was, it was a crazy busy day. And I had the pleasure of doing the particular role that day, which was called queue combing, which basically meant that you needed to go through the queue and ask each individual customer if there was anything that you could do to take them out of the queue to, and use the other services in the bank. And, and each and every customer, whether they vocalised it or not, some of them did, but everyone thought, and I'm sure you have thought it too, what is the point in you? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that was the response. Yeah. Why aren't you on a till? Yeah. 
literally, when someone would raise that objection, that kind of response would be, you know, that would come from the queue. Like, yeah, yeah, get on the... But like, and then I don't have the time to say, well, actually, you know, the bank, they've broken down into X, Y, and Z, and the particular role that I've been given today is da 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 da, da. Like, that's boring. They don't care. They're annoyed. They're annoyed at you. And I'm now the person whose fault it is that they're queuing. Um, but my job still, nevertheless, was to try and pull someone out of the queue um, and take them to different machines or to a different service. And there was one gentleman that wanted to pay money into his account. Um, and he had about £1,000 worth of £20 notes in his hand. And I say, do you know what, sir? You can pay that in at the IDM, which stands for Instant Deposit Machine. And he asked me, he said, will this be quicker than standing in the queue? I said, yes. That was my first mistake. <laughs> um, because I take him out of the queue. We go over to the IDM. I say, sir, this is easy. You can do this in future. I'll show you how it's done. Put the card in. Um, and he, whilst I'm doing this, he's watching where he was in the queue just to see if, in fact, this was going to be quicker. And he really kind of, by like his grunts and his face, made it really clear to me that he just wasn't happy by the fact that he, A, had to be in the bank, B, was taken out of the bank queue to this other space here. And, and I, I put his card in, I get all the notes nice and neat, and I put them in the machines. See how easy this is, sir? See how much time you're saving, sir? And rather than hearing the, um, the nice click of the money being counted, I hear a, a grinding, crunching, chewing, um, like cogs, you know, grinding to a halt kind of sound, okay? He says, what's that? I don't know. The screen goes blank. That screen at the bank's just gone blank. There we go. The screen goes blank. And um, it freezes, and I say, don't worry, sir. Like, he, he instantly is like 100% more angry than he already was because of, because of what's happened. Understandably, a thousand pounds has just gone missing. Don't worry, sir, I'll get the keys. I get the keys. He is now seeing that his place, he would have been served, but his money's stuck, so he's stuck with me. I open the IDM machine and I one by one pick out these chewed up, torn up 20 pound notes in front of him. Each one he gets angrier. Um, and I get them all together and he's mad and he's saying, you've wasted my time, this service is ridiculous. And I'm like, I know it is, but you know, I'm doing my job. And I put it all together and I say, tell you what, sir, I will pay this in myself. So I go around the back and I write him a manual receipt. Okay, manual receipt, give it to him. There you go, £1,000 in your account. Oh, thanks very much. He goes off in a huff. It was at this moment that I realised I hadn't taken his account details down. So I had no idea where to pay this £1,000 into. <laughs> and um, so what do you do? Like you, just, like, you, know, you don't tell anyone, that's a start. You don't say to any of your colleagues, I've made a horrendous mistake. You, you act calm and it's a hot day and I'm in my suit and there I am running down the high street trying to find this guy that walked out. And I'm looking everywhere, this is the middle of like city centre, it's a busy day, I can't find him. And I make my way like some hundred yards down, down the street and I spot him. I'm like, oh, sir, me again, hi. Um, yeah, slight complication. Um, and I'm doing my best to describe the situation in such a way that doesn't make it seem like it's my fault. I'm trying to blame a colleague or someone else. Um, yeah, the incompetent tellers on the you know, cashiers. They, uh, basically, we need to count details. He's mad. I hate my life. Um, it's, it's, all, it's all, it all happening. And I tell that story um, just to kind of like, it's, it's a humorous story. It's a funny story. Like we got, we got his money paid in. He probably changed banks. Um, <laughs> but to illustrate what it can sometimes feel like for many of us who would perhaps place yourself on this side of the spectrum to say like, you know what, when it comes to finances, it feels like everything I do is difficult. 
It feels like everything I do with my money, I, I put it somewhere and it just disappears. Perhaps, and, and I'm using a humorous story, but I don't want to make light of the fact that some of us in this room will be in debt this morning. And that debt might be resting so heavily on you, you might be losing sleep over it. And it, it, can, it can chew you up on the inside, like the debt that you may have just um, accredited, um, uh, accumulated like by spending, or it might have been a situation that was just completely out of your control and has landed you on, on this side, and it's difficult and it's hard. And I'm just believing like God's word is going to speak into your situation today and believing that you're going to leave with, with hope today after we, we see what, what his scriptures and stuff has to say on it. But you might place yourself there. Or you might be somewhere sort of in the middle, um, that it's, it's okay, it's not as good as it could be, but it's, it's okay. Um, or, as I said, positive a, a lot. I don't think anyone's really going to willingly put themselves here to say, you know what, I'm, I'm minted. That's where I am. I am rich. If, you know, come speak to me after if that's how you do describe yourself. But you, you might be on that side. And, and, and what we're going to do is just read two stories um, found in scripture um, that wherever we place ourselves on this spectrum that, that speak into our situation and can challenge us. Um, and and when, before we do, I want us to, to bear this particular scripture in mind, Matthew 6, 24, and I want this to frame the two stories that we're about to read. Matthew 6, 24, it says this, no one can serve two masters. This is Jesus talking. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, so let's bear that in mind as we read this next story. So the first story um, is, is an interaction that Jesus had, and it's found in Matthew 19 verses 16. Um, and it's about a gentleman that you could say was at this end. He had wealth, he had money. So we're going to put him at this end of the spectrum. And it says this, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, if you want to enter life, keep the commands. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Essentially, this man at this end of the scale, he had what he viewed, his perspective was, I have too much. His money was too valuable to him. His wealth was what mattered most in life. That's what was important. That's where his focus was. And yet something was missing. Something wasn't right. So he, he, he hears of this teacher. He says, teacher, what am I lacking? Why am I not happy? What, what's, what still do I lack? I'm doing everything right. I'm living right. I've got wealth. What's the problem? And Jesus, with this great level of insight, sees and goes... Sell your stuff. And, and he was unable to. He was unable to, to take that challenge and, to, and he went away sad. His wealth was too great. He had too much to give away. So if we're asking ourselves that question, if we're saying, and what does it mean to say, God, your kingdom come and your will be done? He couldn't have said that. He couldn't have prayed that prayer. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my finances. 
it was too important to him. And, and for, for those of us that, that are in a space, maybe, maybe you are a high earner, maybe you've got income, maybe you have um, expendable income, maybe you've got money. Um, the challenge that I take from that particular story, um, so one thing that he did do right, he asked the question of Jesus, what, what am I lacking? What, what do I need to do? What's the, what's the next thing? He didn't, like, he didn't like what he heard, he didn't like the answer, but he asked the question. I think for many of us, we don't get that far. That perhaps you call yourself a Jesus follower here today. Maybe you think that, you know, I'm stewarding money well. I've got this down. It's good. When was the last time that you asked that question? You put everything on the table and said, what else? What do, what do I lack? Like, with everything that I've got, with all of my assets, with all of my spending, with all of my money, Jesus, is there anything else? What, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, perhaps we avoid that question and we just, we kind of like confine it to a bit of a conceptual idea. That it's like, you know, this is, you know, I, that's, a, that's a spiritual idea. You know, I've, I do follow Jesus. I, you know, I am a believer. I do, I do live that way. But when was the last time we practically kind of said, you know what, with my spending, with my income, Jesus, are you happy? Like, what, what do you want me to do here? Are we a bit afraid, perhaps, of what the response might be? Give it all up. Give it, to the, give it to the poor. Like we, can, we can kind of distance ourselves from these stories, can't we? And we can think, oh, what, what little faith that guy had. But I would hate if Jesus gave me that reply. Everything you've got, just give it away and come follow me. Just abandon everything. It was, he had too much. And there's the challenge to him, that his money was the reason he couldn't pray that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. This side. Story number two um, is about a person that we could say is over here. So we've got a lot and we've got a little. And this is found in Matthew 25, 14. It says this. So Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and he said this about it. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. To another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the man with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who, received, who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have in abundance. Who does, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Story number one. 
he had too much. Story number two, too little. I, I, he could only see what he was lacking. He didn't have enough for it to be used for anything good. And he buried it in the ground. And I wonder if there are some people in this room today that all you can see is your lack. All you can see and focus on, and it hits you in the face each and every day, is what you, can't, what you don't have, is the lack, is the struggle, is the here's why, um, here's why I, I can't be used, here's why I can't pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, because there's nothing to, for it to be done with. I've got, I've got nothing here. And it's a perceived lack. It's interesting that he says, um, so even what they have will be taken away from them. So they have something, and he had something, yet he hid it in the ground. That potential, he hid in the ground. And for some of us, our perceived lack is causing us, causing you, to hide your potential in the ground, just to bury it. I went on a run three weeks ago, and I went down the canal path, and there was a tree that had fallen into the path. And, and there were some muddy footprints that had like, deviated from the path and went really close to the edge where the canal was, around the tree, and then back on to the path. So I kind of like followed that I awkwardly. I, I just about got by and then back onto the path. A week, le- week later it was, I went on that same run and the tree hadn't been moved. So the tree's still there, but the, the path was really well trodden. It had become like a new path. And, and so clearly no one had bothered to try and move the tree and they all had just walked around it, myself included, the second time. And, and for some of us, something has happened in your life, in your finances, with money, where it's like a great tree has fallen down. Maybe that's your own spending, maybe that's a circumstance that was outside of your control, but it's like you have just got used to barely getting by. And that is the well-trodden path of your existence. Each and every, like, I'm just barely getting by, and that's what you confess over yourself, that's what you think about yourself. This is my lot now. This is, this is my debt this, this, as far as money is concerned, it's just a frustrating IDM machine that chews it up. That, that's, that's me. And you've got used to this thin path, barely getting by. I just want to speak out, just in Jesus' name, that you can, each and every one of us, you can be debt-free. Yeah. That you can get there. That, so Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. And his kingdom come, his will be done. I don't think he dreams over your life and speaks over your life. Narrow thinking, narrow living, lack. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not like, about to start preaching the prosperity gospel, and we'll get to that, to, to that in a second, whereby like, you trust Jesus and then suddenly you have money. That's not what I'm saying. But our perception, our confession, and the way that we live in Christ, his kingdom come, his will be done, is anything but small living, anything but narrow-minded thinking, anything but living in lack, barely getting by, and just accepting that. You can be debt-free in Jesus' name. You can. And it might start with just snapping off one of those twigs. Just, I, 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 can't, I can't clear that at the moment. I can't do all of that at the moment. I can just snap a twig off. That might be the start. And we're going to talk about some practical ways that you can take a step forward in that this morning. But, but do something. Don't just, don't just accept that small living is your lot. Okay? So what's interesting, though, about these two stories, we have a lot... And we have a little, and, and what unites them both is that money was the thing that was preventing them from, from their potential, from doing what God was calling them to do, from praying that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. So wherever you place yourself on this scale, what you have, if you have a little or if you have a lot, really, it doesn't matter. And what scripture and what Jesus is teaching here is that's not what is important to him. And 
So Romans 12, verses 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's what John alluded to earlier. There is a pattern in, in everything, in our society, in our culture, in our behaviour. There are patterns that are presented to us. And the same is true of our spending and our money and our attitude towards finance. That There is a pattern that is presented to us. And, and the pattern of this world is, is very similar to what I'm describing here. It is this linear, two-dimensional line from a little to a lot. And, and the pattern that, that is presented to us that we are pressured into living by is this line that we're all somehow sort of stuck on and it's better to have more. This is, this is the pattern of the world that we're talking about. This is the, the kingdom of the world. Better to have more and do all you can to get a little bit more. If, if material things, if materialism, if, if this is all there is, it's better to have better stuff. And, and we can fall into this trap, can't we, of just thinking, okay, I, I just need, I need a little bit more. If, if only I had that promotion, if only I had their job, if only I had their car, if only I could have one more holiday, you know, and, and there's, there's tiers, isn't there? There's, there's a scale, there's economy, there's business, and then there's first class, and it's better to be here. There's, there's Magaluf, there's Malta, and then there's the Maldives, you know, it's, this, it's a scale, you know, and it's better to be over here, it's worse to be over there. So focus on getting one step ahead and do all you can to get one step ahead. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the of your mind there is a pattern that is presented to us and and if those just to track back to those two objections that I had at the beginning if those objections that this is a private matter that money finance is a private matter and that it's not spiritual if those are true all of us are so susceptible to just getting stuck on this two-dimensional line because none of us are inviting God into it None of us are actually praying, your kingdom come, your will be done as far as my finances are concerned. God, like, where, where do you want me to be? What do you dream over my life? None of us are praying about it. And none of us are kind of like inviting any help. We're not talking about it. So like inviting any help as far as like, is, can I get some help over here because I'm stuck in this debt or I'm stuck in this inability to, to handle or get control of my expenditure or, or over here, like my, my, my spending, I don't know if it comes into alignment with what God wants me to do or his will. Can, can you speak into this? If we're not talking to one another, if we're not talking to God even, we're just stuck in this line, this pattern. The scripture says, so do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I believe this, that when we invite Jesus into our life, when we pray that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, what happens is that when we invite him in, he invites us to see the whole thing from, from his vantage point. And, and, and when, we, when we are translated into a new kingdom, when we no longer have to conform to the pattern that is presented to us, we're translated into a new kingdom, we are in effect bumped off that line. And we can see that actually none of this matters at the end of the day. It's just stuff. It's just money. And I don't have to live my life trapped in my lack. I don't have to live my life trapped in my wealth or in my greed or in my, my thinking that I need this to, to be someone or my identity being found in what I have and what I can spend or what I can accumulate. I don't have to be there. I can be bumped and translated into a new kingdom to see it from Jesus' vantage point. All of this is his anyway. You know, if, if we believe that we have been bought at the highest price, that, that Jesus, by his death and resurrection, it made, he made a way for us to have relationship with God, by giving himself, he gave us the, the best gift ever. In return, we give him, well, me. Everything that I've got. Like, my, my thinking, my, my speaking, my living, my, my income, my spending. Like, God, like, all this is yours anyway. I don't have to live stuck in this line 
just trying to get by, trying to get better, trying to move forward. No, no, I've been translated into a new kingdom. I can see it from his vantage point. Like I've, I've spoken to people, and I doubt with the accounts of people that had hundreds of thousands of pounds of like expendable income. They could just buy whatever they wanted, and they were miserable. Just no joy, dead in the eyes focused on what they could get, focused on getting more. And what's interesting about this side is that it almost never ends, does it? There's always someone with a bigger car, better car, bigger yacht, better island. <laughs> it's just never ending, is it? It's, it's like we, we can't find satisfaction there. And I've been to some of the world's poorest countries and seen in people that we would say on this two-dimensional linear line have nothing, and yet they have a rich, deep joy and a hope because they've found something that is more important and beyond and transcends living life just stuck on a line. Find Jesus. We've been translated into a a new kingdom and when we see it from his vantage point it it changes everything. It changes the challenges. It changes like the who really owns this. So it says this um, in 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6.20. So you are not your own. You were bought at a price. I'm not my own. This is not my own. God, like, your kingdom come, your will be done. As far as my savings, income, spending, finance, life, thinking, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, walked into my home a while ago, um, looked on the floor, and there was, a, there was an envelope. Um, opened it up, and I was with my friend Chris, um, and there was a thousand pounds in this envelope. And, and just on, on the front of it, it just said, Nath, Lauren, be blessed. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Kind of, that's the kind of envelope that you want to open. And we were just blown away. Like, I just got like, emotional looking at this thing, being like, wow. Like, and what was, what was amazing at the time, we didn't, we didn't and hear me, we didn't need it in that, that there was no like, major need in our life. So it felt like we were just being like, blessed. It felt like God was like, oh, there you go. Go and have that. And, and like, we, we sat down and we worked out like, how, how, what we wanted to do with it. And we dreamed together a little bit. And we decided that we'd give 300 pounds of it. We're just, we're just going to give that away because we want to be generous too. I mean, not a thousand pounds generous. Um, <laughs> but more like a 300 pound kind of generous. You know? Um, and then the rest of it, you know, we, we gave 10% to, to church, like we did the, the tithe thing, and then, and then the rest, it's like, oh, we can, you know, maybe we can go on holiday, we can do different, different things, and, you know, Lauren really gave some good wisdom there. Um, and then two weeks later, my car breaks down and swallowed up all of that money. So it's cool that, like, God provided for a need that we didn't know we had, and, and it, was, it was, you know, just little miracles, I think. I, I think it's cool. Um, but the, really, the moral of the story is, like, never listen to the counsel of your wife when it comes to... <laughs> Um, should have just spent it as soon as we had it, you know? It's like, told you we should have bought me a suit and a, an Apple Watch. Um, ha, that was a joke. Don't, don't write that down. But what, the, the point of that, like, what, what I want to get to in that is that someone had that money and they said, God, what do you want me to do? Like, this, this isn't something that I'm going to hold on to. Like, this isn't something that I'm going to think, you know, I'm going to spend on myself. Like, where do you want me to, where do you want me to put this? What do you want me to do? Like, it's not mine anyway, really, at the end of the day. So where, where to? Where do you want me to put it? Where do you want me to deposit it? From his vantage point. Like, God, all I have is yours anyway. And, and he, he sort of, that, that came, came our way. We were blessed. We were able to bless other people. We were looked after in that setting. Like, what, a, what an amazing image. I think that the church should be the most generous place on the planet. Like, the, the church. And like we read the early church in the book of Acts. And it says this, Acts uh, 4 verses 32, it says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own. 
but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord, and God's grace, this is where I keep tripping up, was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Come on. Oh, he's reading publicly. Let's, let's look at this. So grace was so powerfully at work in them. Grace, no one was in need. Grace, generosity. Like, I have been given much. I'm going to give much. I've received a lot. I can give a lot. I've received the greatest gift of all. That is like eternal life. That is salvation. That is Jesus. All of this is his anyway. I can be generous. You see how, how linked they are. And a great revelation of grace amongst us leads to great generosity. No needs amongst them. Like that's, that's a cool kind of state to be in, isn't it? And again, if we think this isn't spiritual and if we think this is private, that can't happen because we're not talking about what we need. We're not talking about what we have. We're keeping that all to ourselves. We're not praying about it. It's not a spiritual matter. But if it is something that we can be open about and, and discuss in community, if it is something that we can invite God's will into, no, no lack. Like, just generosity everywhere. And, like, I, I don't want that £1,000 story to be something that kind of is too prescriptive. Like, the other day, Lauren and I, we received um, £10. And it was in, in a letter, and someone had written on it just saying, I know this isn't much, um, but thanks for the banter. We love you guys. Um, just go get yourself a coffee. They kept it anonymous. We were blown away by that. That, that really blessed us. Like, it, it was great. Like, so it, the amount doesn't matter. That's not what we're talking about. It's the heart behind it all. To say, all of this, Jesus, is yours. What do you want me to do with it? Your kingdom come, and your will be done. Here's the challenge that I want us to think about. Um, that, that verse that we read near the beginning, so no one can serve God and money. Like, you, you're, one will be the master, is the idea. Like, the, the challenge for us today is what are you going to do just to almost maybe prove to yourself, wherever you would place yourself on this spectrum, like whatever your perspective of your finances are or your um, interaction with them, like, where would you place yourself? Um, what are you going to do to prove that money is not your master? What are you going to do? Like, what thing, practically, are you going to do to say this? I'm not living stuck on a line. I'm going to see it from your vantage point, Jesus. I'm going to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. What do you need to do? And that could be just saying, I need to, I need to snap a few twigs off. I need to start shifting this tree. I, I am living, barely getting by, and, and I, I don't feel any flexibility. I don't feel any financial wholeness or freedom. I need, to, I need, I need help. I need to talk about this. And, and there's, like, there's no shame and there's no condemnation in Christ. If you need help, like as a community, we want to help you. Um, and we want to help one another get good at this. So that there's a course that we're running. And the slide's going to come up. Uh, Cap Money course. Um, the people that have done it uh, all say that it's excellent. So you can book in. It starts on the 6th of March. Um, and I would say this, um, like, where, wherever you are, so if, you, if you have lots, maybe, maybe you can get better at stewarding that lots. Um, or if you have a little, like, just, just go, get on this course, like get some help, get some input, get some investment, like talk to someone. Um, or may, maybe it's more of a matter of, of just doing something, little, maybe it's the £10, maybe it's more, just to, to show and express and to hand on some generosity. Like you've received much, going to give much. And th this little act here is me saying money is not my master. Money is not control of me. Like God, you've got this. Like this, this, is, this is all yours anyway. Like bless someone. Like, let's have some praise reports of people just saying, um, I, was, I was in need, I was struggling, this was getting on top of me, and then this just turned up. Um, 
again, church should be the most generous place on the planet in, in that regard. Um, so what do you need to do to practically prove this week money is not your master, um, but you're giving it all, seeing it from his vantage point. Um, one thing that we're doing throughout this series, just at the end of each message, is that we're, we're reading the Lord's Prayer. Um, and this is a great thing that you can do every day, just to remind yourself of what has been taught and to really help frame your day, to say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm nearly done, Caleb. Stop, stop interrupting me. It's not about you. Um, just a great way you can do that. And we're going we're gonna to end together um, by reading this prayer. I'm going to say amen with one another. Are you ready to read it with me? Here we go. It says this. Our Father... Come on, let's go again. A bit louder. Are we good? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.